0: Welcome to the Ultra Sports Science Foundation podcast, provided as part of our educational mission. In these sessions, we chat with scientists and clinicians who are generating new knowledge related to ultra-endurance sports, bringing you insight directly from those in the know. Please listen in to our conversation.
1: Hi, I'm Matthew White, your host for this Ultra Sports Science podcast. Our guest today is Dr. Jonathan Little, an associate professor at the University of British Columbia, Okanagan. He's currently on sabbatical leave in Brisbane, Australia, and he'll talk to us today about his publication in Applied Physiology, Nutrition, and Metabolism. It's titled, Nutritional Ketone Salts Increase Fat Oxidation but Impair High-Intensity Exercise Performance in Healthy Adult Males. And the study's titled by O'Malley, Mayat Kote Durer, and himself, Little. Thanks, Jonathan, for taking time out of the sun down there in Brisbane to talk to us on your study.
2: Well, oh, thanks for having me and I appreciate your interest in, in our research.
1: Indeed. Uh, it's a, a novel topic in the ultra sports community and uh, I think your study's bringing some interesting results uh, to the mix as people are sorting out uh, these benefits of these supplements uh, for ultra sport and for other athletes as well. So before we start uh, on your novel study, Jonathan, I was going to ask you to just to give the audience a summary of how you got interested in this research and a little bit on the scope of of your own research program.
2: Yeah no this is actually somewhat of an interesting way that we got into uh to this particular study so it's so uh I like the story we my lab is focused primarily on type 2 diabetes and uh pre-diabetes uh different exercise or diet strategies to prevent or treat type 2 diabetes and One of the uh, dietary strategies we've been focusing on is ketogenic diets, which are obviously a a hot topic right now in in the healthcare world, particularly in diabetes. And I think your previous podcast uh, had some uh, discussion upon that. Um, So we're interested in ketogenic diets. And then with the advent of these ketone supplements, um, it creates a, a nice way to scientifically be able to test is it the ketones, the beta hydroxybutyrate, which is causing the effects? Or is it the whole metabolic reprogramming or adaptation to a ketogenic diet? So that's what kind of got us interested in ketone supplements. It was a way for us to tease out whether it's ketones themselves or whether it's the entire metabolic adaptation to a ketogenic diet. So we started working on these uh, in the lab and, and essentially ordering the, the supplements from Amazon and, and uh, seeing if they did raise beta-hydroxybutyrate and what they did. And around that same time, the, uh, the Cox et al. paper in Cell Metabolism 2016 uh, came out, and, and that was obviously making a splash in, in the science world as well as the media headlines. And there's one, one statement in that paper where they say uh, the ketones may work by inhibiting glycolysis in a Randall-like cycle effect, so uh, we can get into that later. Um, and this might not be ideal in high-intensity exercise situations. And I actually had an undergrad student who's the f- the uh, first author, Trevor O'Malley, who uh, was working on this as part of his uh, undergrad NSERC USRA. And and he said, hey, you know, I think if we give these supplements to people and and it's inhibiting glycolysis, we'll actually impair their high-intensity performance. And and uh, we said, okay, well let's try to, to test this out. And, and as you do, you sit down and design out a research study and with, uh, the PhD students are the, are the other offers Etienne and Cody and Trevor, the undergrad student. And we devised a, what was a pretty simple little study to, to test this out. And, uh, lo and behold, we, we replicated the effects of, um, Cox from, from Kieran Clark's lab showing that, uh, raising beta-hydroxybutyrate seemed to lower RER and enhance fat oxidation during exercise and my students uh, hypothesis was correct and we impaired high intensity uh, performance. Uh, so it was kind of a, a neat way to uh, to do a study but I, I am by no means a, uh, a, an ultra-endurance uh, physiologist or uh, of most of my work now is, is focused clinically uh, not on kind of Classic exercise physiology, which this study is similar to, but but that's what my training was in.
1: Well, indeed, I mean that that's great that there's those parallels between the the diabetics and and the ultra endurance athletes, and I think some have described uh, the latter stages of the ultra endurance uh, events something like a starvation diet with ketogenic yeah. or maybe even similar to some some diabetic states. I'm, I'm glad that you brought up uh, Trevor and Tian and Cody. Uh, that was my next. Uh, topic is I always like to give credit to the students and any of the research assistants that are um uh, participating in the study and and it's exciting to see an undergraduate leading a paper uh, uh such as this
2: yeah he, he was a great undergrad student he's now uh he's in uh, physiotherapy or physical therapy school at, at ubc now so i couldn't i couldn't convince him to stay in in research but he's uh He's uh, remained involved and, and right through the end of this paper was always uh, helping out despite uh, having moved on to, to uh, a different healthcare profession.
1: Oh, that's terrific. I mean, I think uh, they all end up uh, reviewing research along the way, and any of any, uh, the health professionals that end up with some research experience during their training, uh, it's a great benefit. Uh, so before I ask you, Jonathan, about the main findings in the studies kit, uh, you summarize the background. Uh, that led uh, you to ask uh, what would be the impact of uh, raising plasma beta-hydroxybutyrate through ingestion of these ketone salts on uh, substrate oxidation performance. You've given a little bit of that already, and and if you feel you've already addressed that, um, just to give a a summary of that then.
2: Sure, yeah. No, I think there's uh, plenty of research out there on uh, ketogenic diets and and exercise metabolism and exercise performance. Some of it's, I guess, more relevant than others to uh, ultra endurance athletes. But um, scientifically, uh, when someone goes on a ketogenic diet, there's many variables that change, right? Your carbohydrate intake goes down, your fat intake goes up, your insulin levels go down. Uh, There's probably multiple adaptations going in your muscle and in your liver and in other uh, organs and tissues. So when beta-hydroxybutyrate is produced by the liver uh, from free fatty acids in that ketogenic diet uh, state, uh, it's not the only variable or factor that's changing. So from, from my perspective as a scientist, it's impossible in a ketogenic diet scenario to tease out or determine whether the increase in ketones is at all relevant or whether it's the increase in ketones along with know 10 or 15 or 20 or 100 other changes in physiology that happen when you adapt to a ketogenic diet so um, we, with the advent of these supplements it allows you to to uh test out close to what the isolated effects of raising ketones are obviously when you raise ketones you change a few other variables or physiology is never easy but it, but it's certainly much more cleaner and a uh, whole metabolic adaptation to a ketogenic diet to allow you to test whether beta-hydroxybutyrate has an impact. Um, and, and I suppose, I mean, uh, uh, some of the companies that are uh, promoting these are are suggesting or alluding to exogenous ketone supplements as the fourth macronutrient. Um, and, and it is kind of like that. You've never been able to before ingest uh, beta-hydroxybutyrate, a, a fuel that your muscles and your brain and your heart can use. Um, so it creates a pretty interesting situation. If you just think of it very simply, we know that, uh, during long duration exercise, consuming fuel, usually in the form of carbohydrate, uh, can prolong endurance. Well, now we have a different fuel we could consume, um, that may prolong endurance or enhance performance. And, uh, again, as a, a scientist and an athlete, uh, or former athlete, I should probably call myself on I'm interested in these uh, questions. So it, so it's just a really neat question for me to say, if I consume this uh, new food group or something that our body has never been able to see before um, by, by ingestion, what happens to physiology and exercise performance?
1: Yeah. So excellent. Um, Jonathan, I think uh, you've uh, touched on on the topic that I think for the podcast listeners is important. And one you didn't mention directly, and I, th- I think it's implicit in what you've said is that uh, the delay of the depletion of glycogen stores is perhaps the, the primary goal of the individuals taking the ke- ketone supplements. Could you speak yes. specifically to that?
2: It, yeah. So that the data from uh, from Cox, uh, in published in Cell Metabolism, was the first demonstration that that raising beta-hydroxybutyrate through exogenous supplementation of ketones was able to essentially slow down glycogen degradation and they linked that to improved endurance performance which which again would be uh ultimately what uh physiology would suggest will, will enhance endurance performance so um the idea being again it would be twofold i think here matt is uh one you're just providing an alternative fuel from outside the body ketones. so perhaps very simply, if you provide something from outside the body, similar to providing uh, carbohydrate from outside the body, you might be able to preserve your endogenous uh, stores. So that's kind of one potential way, very simplistic, uh, you know, counting up or doing the math type of thing. Um, But the other way is that if the raising of ketones or beta hydroxybutyrate in in particular, and I apologize for keeping switching back and forth between uh, ketones and beta hydroxybutyrate, but it's probably important that it's beta hydroxybutyrate, not other ketones. Um, But uh, if that raising of beta hydroxybutyrate from the supplement then manipulates or influences metabolism, um, in addition to providing a fuel source, then there's two potential mechanisms that it could be working through. Um, so for example, uh, if the raising of beta hydroxybutyrate, uh, alters muscle metabolism to use less glycogen, um, then that could be beneficial. And the beta hydroxybutyrate is probably affecting the the liver as well. And, and maybe we'll get to that. And some of our data supports the the idea that it's impacting the liver.
1: Okay, sure. The fourth macronutrient, that's an, that's an interesting, uh, uh, concept. And, uh, you showed that, uh, during the exercise, that the beta-hydroxybutyrate was elevated to about one millimole per liter. Yeah, and, and we, we've been mentioning, even mentioning the study by Cox that everyone's read, and uh, and you mentioned the, you know, the first demonstration of the preservation or the delay of the glycogen depletion. And uh, so, in their study, I think the the values that they saw for beta-hydroxybutyrate were a little bit higher at yeah. four millimoles per liter. And So the the question then is, was the concentration in your study high enough, the blood concentration of beta-hydroxybutyrate, and uh, could you speak to the differences between the two studies?
2: Yeah, so certainly we've worked uh, with the ketone esters as well, and they're certainly more potent uh, and effective at raising beta-hydroxybutyrate, exactly like you, you mentioned there. The salts in our hands can get uh, Beta-hydroxybutyrate up to to about one millimole per liter, um, which is still probably a tenfold increase from what most people are are uh, sitting at at when they wake up in the morning, fasted. They might be at 0.1 or 0.2 millimoles, so it's still quite a large increase physiologically. Um, but the, the esters get get the values up to maybe three uh, or four millimoles per liter, so. I think what was encouraging in our study, Matt, was that we saw the same gross metabolic effects of raising beta-hydroxybutyrate to one millimole per liter. That is the reduction in RER um, we saw during exercise at the low intensities. And um, we act- and we saw actually a small reduction in glucose, which happens when beta-hydroxybutyrate uh, is raised. Um, so I- I'm confident that it was influencing metabolism, uh, similarly, whether it was enough to, uh, you know, whether going higher would have provided more fuel and maybe compensated for, um, for any detriment in glycogenolysis. I, I can't, uh, make that, uh, I guess guess, but, uh, it's possible that there's differences between a value of one and a value of three for sure.
1: Yeah. I was thinking something along the lines of dose response. Uh, as well, uh, on that same topic, um, you gave the, the keto salts 30 minutes prior to the three exercise stages of five minutes at, uh, I think it was 30 and 60% and 90% below the ventilatory threshold, and then you had a 150 kilojoule time trial. What yep. are the views on the digestion absorption time uh, as well as the clearance of uh, beta-hydroxybutyrate at rest and during exercise? So for somebody that might be thinking about implementing the salts, is that 30 minutes uh, uh, the, the time uh, spot to use for ingesting a salt or a keto ester?
2: Um, I, I think so, 15 to 30 minutes probably. The, the best study out there is um, from Brianna Stubbs, uh, published in uh, 2017 in uh, Frontiers in Physiology, and they actually do some, some PK or pharmacokinetic type studies on uh, salts versus esters. Um, from my memory, it's the same salts that, that we used. Um, and they give doses every three hours, I think, across the day and, sh- and kind of show the, the curves. Um, and certainly within 30 minutes that in both types of supplements, uh, they're raised. It looks like the, the ketone esters raise beta-hydroxybutyrate quicker and more efficiently, so higher um, than the salts. But uh, and we did, I mean, we didn't do a full pk analysis before doing this study as i as i mentioned it was an undergrads project but we did some pilot work looking at uh, what happened you know h- how long do they stay elevated after this dose and how quickly and and we kind of picked 30 minutes as a as a good uh uh time where you know in our pilot work people were raising up to to close to or at their peak um so it gave a chance for the you know beta hydroxybutyrate to be floating around, but exactly as you said, we don't really know the clearance rate of, of beta exogenous beta hydroxybutyrate, um, during exercise particularly. So if you think uh, again, just very simply, if you've raised uh, a metabolic substrate and now you're exercising and using it, we don't know how quickly it goes away. And and we could try and do some, you know, back of the napkin calculations and grams that we gave and, millimoles and and try to figure out um that but but we really struggled actually trying to interpret that in the paper um and and i don't really think there's a technique right now to be able to do that i i believe jeff volak is working on a beta hydroxybutyrate tracer technique which would allow you to be able to do that but um right now we we don't know uh when you take the exogenous ketones we can't trace them through your system to know where they go and how long they stay other than you know, measuring their concentration in the blood.
1: Yeah, that that brings some great insights into the to the potential use of these uh, supplements. Uh, thanks, uh, Jonathan. Um, so, moving along uh, in Figure One A, and I wanted to talk a little bit about the substrate oxidation rates. And you've shown a twenty-three percent greater lipid and eight percent lower carbohydrate oxidation in the keto salt versus the control trial. And I think that it was during the thirty and the sixty percent. Uh, uh, below the ventilatory threshold um, uh, stages, that you also shall, saw a lower respiratory exchange ratio. Yeah. And so, as you as you've mentioned in the the discussion, that uh, the uh, respiratory exchange ratio for beta-hydroxybutyrate is 0.89, uh, whereas the RER that was used uh, is uh, a non likely a non-protein RER. And, yeah. Uh, I think that perhaps the results, uh, if we're to adjust um, for the uh, beta-hydroxybutyrate, as you say, you can't trace it, but it would appear to be pushing the rest for exchange ratio up. So, if anything, there would be perhaps a, a greater uh, or a lower RER and a greater proportion of lipids oxidized. Would that would that follow?
2: Uh, yeah, I think that's what we, we alluded to. If you see, it, it was uh, in the discussion there. We we kind of had to tiptoe around that a little bit because we, we mentioned, we put in quotation marks, um, you know, if we were, if the body was oxidizing the exogenous beta-hydroxybutyrate and the RER of that is 0.9, we would expect the RER to get pulled up um, towards 0.89 when in fact we were showing it was getting pushed down, if you want to use that, that terminology. So I think your interpretation there is similar to ours. Um, I got slammed on Twitter, I think by somebody for, uh, for using RER with, uh, ketones on this. And, uh, but I think, I think I won the the Twitter war because I told them to read the discussion and, uh, we're very careful to, um, to suggest that it's, uh, the pulling down of, of RER, um, suggests that it's a fat oxidation issue, not, not just, uh, you know, the body's oxidizing these extra ketones so
1: absolutely well that's it's good to see that you've uh pointed that out and and uh something that i guess as 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 the field moves forward people perhaps will devise some methods uh, to perhaps revise the rest exchange ratio or look for other ways to quantify the the oxidation rates of beta hydrogen yeah.
2: and if uh, i'll just add one thing we didn't put this in the paper but you know those substrate oxidation rates whoever's uh estimations you use are you're you're right there they're carbohydrate and fat ignoring protein um, or, or in some of the original papers they've accounted for protein but we tend to ignore it now yeah. um, and in all the ketogenic diet literature when when people are following a ketogenic diet and then exercising all the classic studies from Finney and and others they use RER in these same methods when you know presumably in those studies when when people's ketones are, are at two or three millimoles, particularly during late stage of exercise, they must, their muscles must be metabolizing ketones there too. And, and they've published with using RER and fat and carbohydrate oxidation, yeah. using these same, uh, methods. So we kind of, uh, suggested that too, that, that, you know, you, you can't, uh, you can't kill us for, for using the methods that everybody else is using. we we're, we're, um, acknowledging that, that we don't know at all the, the answers when ketones are on board, but um, mm-hmm. it's a great point. And, and I think you know, until we have tracers, I think um, essentially we, we may need to rewrite the RER tables and substrate oxidation calculations for, for three macronutrients, carbohydrates, fat, and ketones uh, at some point. And, and it's probably beyond my expertise to, to do that
1: absolutely well the, the original equations by deweer um for the non respiratory quotient or non respiratory exchange non protein respiratory exchange ratio uh, might need to be revisited so from the performance point of view you showed a 7% lower power in the keto salt group versus the control group and i think you've talked about this a little bit but uh, could you summarize what your thoughts are on the mechanism underlying that impairment of performance you mentioned lower blood glucose at the post-exercise uh, uh, and in the post-exercise time trial. Is that is that implicated in the mechanism?
2: Yeah, so that's a great question. And and here I also want to just point out a he's not a co-author, but a, a colleague of mine, Alan Batram, who's a statistical expert, and he he assisted us with uh, with the statistical analysis for the power output as um, using you know. Um, Techniques beyond just a p-value, as I'm sure your yeah, yeah. Uh, your viewers are are well aware. If you're an athlete, you probably don't care if the p-value is .04 or .06. You want to know if this has uh, any impact for you. So um, we, we use some confidence interval approaches and and um, looking at that, and and that's where we we got the um, I think more powerful or better results than just a p-value um, there. So I'd like to to uh, acknowledge Alan. There, but um, yeah, I, to be honest, Matt, I don't think the slightly lower glucose is uh, is contributing. So, if you look at Figure three B, you can see the blood glucose levels, um, yeah. and they're slightly lower. But um, we're doing some other work with these ketone supplements. We just published a paper in uh, J Phys looking at glucose responses, and and we think that and there's evidence uh, from the literature that. Um, Raising beta-hydroxybutyrate actually inhibits liver glucose output. Um, and that obviously might be a benefit for someone with type two diabetes, whose liver is, is churning out too much glucose. And, and here, I, I think that reduction in blood glucose that we see in these healthy young guys during exercise is probably because the beta-hydroxybutyrate is, is doing something to, uh, to shut off the liver's, uh, glucose, uh, hepatic glucose production. Um, but you know, you see the values there, the mean value is, you know, still 4.9 or, or five. I don't think that's going to be enough to, uh, really, really limit exercise performance, particularly when these people, this is a, you know, 10 or 11 minute, uh, all out kind of effort. Their blood lactate levels are getting to, to 10 millimoles. So I don't think their livers limiting them here. Um, but you know who who knows the body is obviously very integrated, so there's probably some you know potential feedback between liver, brain, muscle, or something that uh, that could be going on but but I think you know I would just lean on the um the Cox data where they obviously took muscle biopsies and measured uh, you know metabolomics in muscle and activation of of enzymes and and they suggested that when you raise beta hydroxybutyrate, you're actually uh gonna create a metabolic situation in the in the skeletal muscle where uh pdh activation is inhibited and that's gonna inhibit your entry of pyruvate into the mitochondria, ultimately limiting carbohydrate oxidation, which is what we saw. And then we know uh you know from classic work from Lawrence Spreet and Trent Stellingworth and others that uh being able to activate PDH is gonna uh, dictate or, or be important in your uh, high intensity exercise performance. So, so I'm speculating because we don't have biopsies, obviously in that yeah. study, but so, yeah, we, it, all in all, we think that the mechanism is probably at the level of, of skeletal muscle and related to, to PDH, but, uh, you know, the, the, uh, one of the reviewers wanted us to discuss the, the potentially lower glucose and it's a, it's a valid point and, and potential, but again, I don't think that glucose is getting so low that it's, uh, Negatively impacting performance here.
1: Yeah, that, those are excellent insights and really brings a lot more to the listeners than just having read the paper. Thanks, Jonathan. So, um, the, you know, the original approaches have been dietary, as we've discussed briefly, the ketogenic diets, low carbohydrate ketogenic diets, in our last podcast with McSweeney and and colleagues in, from Ireland. Uh, now, there's some, you know, some relatively serious consequences or potential consequences: constipation, worsening of blood. Uh, Lipid profiles, uh, loss of lean tissue, and the and the kidneys are working to clear the acid as these as uh, beta hydroxybutyric acid uh, dissociates. Uh, could you speak to the differences between the supplements and the dietary strategies, uh, such as a low carbohydrate uh, ketogenic diet?
2: Sure. Yeah. the the um, You know, as I alluded to before, I think there's a a whole host of differences between uh, raising your blood beta hydroxybutyrate to one millimole through a low carbohydrate high fat ketogenic diet and which would take uh, you know probably several weeks to get uh, f- fully adapted and, and into that uh, state versus uh, you know in our hands where in thirty minutes your beta hydroxybutyrate is at one millimole. um so I think there's a lot of a lot of differences there um, you know i I would say that the um the supplement companies, uh, you know, or the proponents of these supplements that would argue that you can get the benefits of a ketogenic diet or elevated ketones, I suppose, um, without having to be that strict, um, and completely overhaul your diet. Um, I'm not super convinced of that. Like I, I mentioned before, I think, um, Ketones are just elevating ketones is one aspect possibly even just along for the ride because it's necessary um, when your carbohydrate stores are de- depleted that um, That are a part of that ketogenic diet. I, I don't know I'm not convinced that the raising of the ketones themselves are are the sole reason you get uh, improved endurance performance if, if that is an outcome um, so, so I think there's a lot of uh, potential differences there and some, some of the pros and cons, you know, I, I suppose the idea with exogenous ketones is you could, um, not have to restrict carbohydrates, start the the race with full, uh, tanks of glycogen in your liver and your muscle, and then, uh, potentially hang on to more of that by providing this, uh, this extra macronutrient, which, um, uh, you know, I don't think you are able to come into the race, uh, with full muscle and liver glycogen if you're on a low carb ketogenic diet. Although I guess the data from faster, um, study, at least in muscles tends to suggest that, uh, those ultra endurance athletes are, have full muscle glycogen tanks, um, and are able to burn it during exercise, uh, even when they're on the the very low carbohydrate diet. Um. Um, I don't know where I'm going now with this, with this answer. Uh, if yeah, no
1: fine, uh, Jonathan, absolutely. I mean, the, there's uh, you know, s- some myth and I think some, some fact and, and the study you mentioned in ultra endurance athletes having a uh, full glycogen stores uh, just, I think uh, makes the puzzle a little more interesting. And, yeah.
2: And, and my belief on that one, you know, is that there you wouldn't get that full muscle glycogen stores, on a low carb ketogenic diet, if you weren't also doing ultra endurance exercise, right? If you think of how you're every day, you're activating all of those signaling pathways in muscle, which are turning on glycogen synthesis. And when those individuals are well adapted, their livers are producing a lot of glucose, yeah. that would feed the muscle in the post exercise recovery period. So theoretically, it can make sense to me. And, um, you know, I think some of the work that uh Tim Noakes has done on on the rates of gluconeogenesis and and liver glycogen or liver glucose output in a ketogenic adapted uh, athlete is is quite high. So it's not inconceivable to think that every day you're activating all these muscles that are activating glycogen synthase and uh, different pathways, uh, GLUT four and glucose uptake, and then your liver in the post exercise recovery period is feeding the muscle and over months years you would end up with having uh, full muscle glycogen stores while you're on a ketogenic diet
1: yeah well it keeps keeps uh, keeps it interesting and um, yeah. lots of work to do to figure figure out what's going on in these uh individuals that are on those diets so one of the other results jonathan was the blood lactate concentrations and uh in the post-exercise period i think the value is around five to six millimoles a liter and then the post-exercise time trials are greater than 10 or pretty close to 10 millimoles per liter. Could you comment on what those results were telling us about glucose and glycogen use in the two test groups?
2: Yeah, um, so, I mean, it, obviously, our results would have, been, uh, would have been nicer. You know, no, no, no studies ever usually come out perfect. If, if we had lower lactate levels in the ketone condition, that would obviously support the inhibition of glycolysis and uh, lower carbohydrate oxidation. Um, but, but, you know, we, we didn't, uh, we didn't find that. And the the data is the data. Um, but I I would suspect, and we can, we allude to this in the, in the discussion measuring, you know, blood lactate is probably not the best indicator of lactate production because obviously you've got muscles producing it. They've got to get rid of it. And then you've got all these other tissues, including other muscles in your liver and your heart, which is taking it up. So, um, you know, I don't take too much stock in a blood lactate concentration as an indicator of muscle uh, metabolism per se. Um, But the values there, you know, at 90% of ventilatory threshold uh, they're uh, averaging, you know, four or five millimoles. So these, these folks are, as you would expect pretty close to um, to lactate threshold, they're uh, um, working pretty hard. And then, um, you know, we had them, take a few minutes rest and then and take the the mask off and and then do the time trial performance um you know kind of in race-like conditions uh, i suppose and uh they're clearly going uh going pretty hard or or all out here um to be be producing those uh, 10 millimole. and again i'm not an expert in uh Ultra endurance, but I, I suspect that even if you have the most severe finishing kick, you're, you're probably never up at that intensity in a in an ultra race.
1: Well, well you've you've uh, uh, guessed my next question. Uh, so, um, locally, we have a, an ultra mountain ultra marathon, uh, the Minackery North Shore Trail Run, and we've got some preliminary results on these runners. And something that surprised us, we saw that uh, over the 50-kilometer race, which uh, goes from about 5 to 10 hours in length, they're maintaining their age-predicted heart rates at about 77 to eighty per- 88%. And again, these are preliminary results, and they're not part of a publication, but um, could you speak to the suitability with the results from your study on the suitability of uh, a ketone supplement for athletes like that? Should a yeah. athlete exercising that high intensity should they be thinking about a ketone supplement
2: yeah that's a great question and i just i'm gonna be speculating or or providing you know just uh that's what we need
1: speculation
2: yeah a crude opinion here i suppose in a trail race like that and if that's what their heart rates are at it's probably the result of you know little bursts of climbing a hill um, Mm -hmm. and probably getting to you know, ninety or or ninety five percent heart rate max, and then you know recovering back down. And um, you know, I, I hadn't thought of it exactly this way, but uh, perhaps if if those ability to to do that burst on the hill is uh, where the the race might be won or lost, um, it might be something to think about as an ultra endurance athlete whether your performance on that little burst up the hill is is potentially impaired by uh, an exogenous ketone supplement, then you'd have to weigh that potential slight impairment in performance as you climb the hill with the potential improvement in performance of having a another macronutrient on board or preservation of your glycogen store. So obviously as any, uh, athlete knows, uh, it's more complex than, uh, than one factor. So, um, but, uh, yeah. So I, I guess I'm going to sit on the fence there um, and say, uh, you know, it, it'll depend on uh, where the, the race is won or lost. And, and obviously on, on a bunch of other fueling strategies, I would say, I don't think you can uh, go into a 10 hour race and uh, expect that you can just consume exogenous ketone supplements instead of any other food or drink that you might have and, and expect that you're going to, fuel your brain and fuel your muscles, uh, on, on ketone supplements. I don't think that's, uh, that's realistic. And uh, and I don't think any of the the real ketone supplement advocates are, are suggesting that they would uh, suggest you combine the ketones with carbohydrates or other fuel sources to, to get the maximal benefit.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a good point. And, uh, I think the, the majority of supplements that are available do have a carbohydrate source within them, if I'm not mistaken.
2: Yeah, it depends on the one, but yeah, and I think, um, you know, ketone aid and, and human who are marketing the ketone esters, um, their protocol suggests that you take it with carbohydrates, um, and not on its own. And and that makes sense to me.
1: Absolutely. Terrific. So just a a closing out question, uh, Jonathan, uh, and one I'll ask you for your, uh, your speculation, not speculation, but your views on where do you think the field should go? What are the next directions that people should be taking in the area of ketone supplements and where are you headed? You mentioned that a little bit, maybe just a synopsis of that, of where you're headed in your lab uh, in this topic.
2: Sure. Yeah. Where I think it needs to go, obviously our study is, is small. This is not done in athletes. Um, these are recreationally active of guys. So I think there needs to be more work done, um, in, uh, in sub-elite or elite athletes and different types of exercise, um, I, I would love to see studies done um, that follow the protocols that the uh, the, the individuals uh, marketing the subjects suggest. So, or marketing the supplements suggest. So, you know, it, these protocols of combining with carbohydrates uh, at certain times or using ketone supplements on a modified ketogenic diet and those types of things on. Know, there's just really not any scientific or much scientific evidence that uh that those strategies or suggestions are are backed by evidence. So I think we need a lot more research uh in this, but it's an exciting area of research because again, uh you know, physiologically the situation of having ketones high when your body hasn't produced them itself is is really unique. Um so I, I think we need more work from the athlete perspective with different strategies. I think uh from a health perspective we need to uh that's where my lab is going so we're using these ketone supplements um to look at cardiometabolic health in people with uh pre-diabetes and type 2 diabetes so um there's evidence that uh, beta hydroxybutyrate is anti-inflammatory and antioxidant and might improve cognitive function so if you if you believe all of that and put it all together it would be a pretty nice package if you can uh lower glucose, lower inflammation, lower oxidative stress, improved cognitive function uh, for someone who had uh, metabolic syndrome to a uh, pretty nice uh, antidote to uh, a lot of the negative effects of, of that disease. Um, but before we do the research, we just have no, uh, no idea. And I know that uh, it's important when you're doing this to, to recognize that, that maybe, throwing another macronutrient into the mix uh, of someone who's in uh, metabolic uh, chaos um might not be the best uh thing to do and i uh i think uh at the very least uh in a, in a few years when we're done some of these studies we'll be able to to uh say this is how these ketone supplements impact uh metabolic health in someone who's got uh, prediabetes or type 2 diabetes and uh I, it probably won't be me, but I know there'll be lots of other people doing uh, doing the exercise performance research, and, and I hope that some of the protocols would uh, look at you know athletes that are keto-adapted versus non-keto-adapted, how do the supplements affect them uh, when you take the ketone supplements with or without carbohydrates, uh, what are the impacts, and those types of questions, I think, are, are uh, ones that, that need to be done from, from a performance perspective.
1: Terrific, Jonathan. Thanks very much for those those excellent insights and, and directions where your lab's going, and it'll be uh, really interesting to see the outcomes from your lab. And I, I think it, we're carrying on in tradition in Canada of uh, following from Banting and Best and uh, the other scientists who focus on diabetes, and it's been a real pleasure to talk to you uh, about your publication. And uh, so, thanks very much, and uh, we'll. Uh, be uh, posting uh, the podcast to iTunes and to uh, SoundCloud. And you can find the details of Jonathan's publication at the USSF website. Uh, This has been Matthew White, and please join us again for future USSF podcasts. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Jonathan.
0: Thanks for listening to the Ultra Sports Science Foundation podcast. Please explore our website, Ultrasportscience.us for additional educational opportunities, including our annual international congress, medical training videos, and case reports. We welcome your feedback at the email provided on the Foundation website. And if you like what we're doing, please consider a donation to our nonprofit foundation. Until next time, stay healthy.